Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Got a very special show. We we're talking with Dan Wolkin from the USA Today, USA Today Sports. Uh, he wrote some great columns about USC, Steve Sarkeesian, and a great list of potential head coaching candidates. So we want to pick his brain. Before we get to him, if you have any questions or comments, send us an email. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, so you can leave us a voicemail at 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Leave a voicemail on the left side of the page. Of course, subscribe on iTunes to the podcast, itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. Leave us a five-star rating. That would be wonderful. Lots of different ways to get a hold of us. All right, without further ado, let's bring in Dan Wolkin from the uh, USA Today. Uh, He does a great job covering college football. Uh, USA Today Sports. Um, check him out. He loves the view I heard from Rice Eccles Stadium at Utah. So he's a Pac-12 guy. What's up, Dan? How you doing? Hey, what's going on? Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Uh, you can follow Dan uh, on Twitter at Dan Wolken, D-A-N-W-O-L-K-E-N. Definitely check him out. And of course, the Football 4 podcast, which you guys started, uh, I guess, a few months ago. Hopefully that's been going pretty well for you. Yeah, we usually do it twice a week. I think they typically end up getting posted like Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, usually one, we kind of recap the previous week and then preview the next week's games. But, uh, this week has been pretty, pretty newsy. <laughs> a lot of things going on in college football. <laughs> pretty newsy is a good day. Yeah. That one what was it, uh, Monday or Tuesday was like the craziest, Monday. unbelievable, unbelievable college football day where you have Florida, you know, an undefeated Florida team with a new head coach, uh, you know, freshman quarterback going out for the year for, uh, for performance enhancing drugs and that's like the third biggest story yeah it's it's wild and then you know the laramie tunsil at ole miss i mean that was i i just like was picturing someone in the ole miss pr office just being like okay what's the craziest day gonna be on the college football schedule in the next couple weeks so we can just kind of low-key release this and no one will pay attention and um i mean it was almost like they were just waiting you know so you know, right after the Spurrier thing, it's like Ole Miss, yep, um, our starting left tackle, who might be the best player in or best pro prospect in the country, uh, seven-game suspension. Um, no one noticed. No one cared. Yeah. Uh, just wild. <laughs> it's a crazy day. And, of course, I mean, we wanted we wanted to have you on to talk about the uh, USC situation. I mean, I was down there on Sunday kind of getting it up close, uh, driving into practice. I started to get a few text messages like, Hey, something's up with uh, Sarkeesian. You better check it out. And I get to practice, and he's not there. And he was the only one scheduled to speak that day, so we weren't really sure what was going on. But then we kind of get rumors that, hey, this is real. This is a this is going to be serious. My intern Keely was funny. She was there, and she, you know, she's this is all kind of new to her. She's been covering the team for maybe a year and a half, and she's looking at me. I'm like, she goes, "Is this going to be big?" I'm like, "Yeah, I think this is going to be big." And uh, of course, Dan, it ended up being really huge. Yeah, uh, you know, just crazy stuff i mean i don't know what it is about usc but these kind of just wild stories seem to land on land on your lap if you've been around the usc program the last couple years whether it was the josh shaw thing or 
you know, just the way Kiffin firing went down. I mean, it's been one thing after another. Yeah, and the uh, the firing part is interesting. We wanted to kind of get into that. Um, were you surprised by the timing of the uh, indefinite leave of absence followed less than 24 hours by the immediate firing? Well, no. I mean, as the facts have come out, and he pretty clearly was in no condition to work, and I would imagine – and this may be me projecting too much, but look, we all know the personal issues he's been dealing with. Um, we know the season has not gotten off to a great start at USC. Uh, you lose to your former team in Washington. You start catching a lot of criticism from around the country, including me. <laughs> and um, I, if you have those sort of addictive impulses, these are the things that, that, will trigger you. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. That's why coaching is just so hard and uh, you need a release somewhere. And if he's fighting something and, you know, maybe he was trying to, to suppress it or work his way through it during the season, that just the pressure of everything building up, I, I can't t- be too surprised that, that there was fallout. You, uh, you mentioned pressure and we were talking about that on the sideline yesterday at practice where, it didn't look like he was the same coach during that Washington game. I think there was added pressure on him because a lot of people in Seattle felt that Sark leaving, they got an upgrade by bringing Chris Peterson in. And I, it seemed like the way he was yelling at players on the sideline, just there was stuff out of character, I guess you could say. It looked like the pressure was getting to him a little bit. And then, of course, after the game, there were three national columnists who wrote about that he should, he was the wrong hire. He should, you should have hired him. Uh, within like an hour after the game ended. So there was a lot of pressure on him right away. Yeah, and I was one of those. You and were. contributed to that. But um, <laughs> Not look, fault, I, I always felt that way. I mean, that wasn't just something that came up for me watching them lose to Washington. I, I never felt like that was a good idea. Um, not necessarily because of drinking issues, although – he certainly did have a reputation at, at Washington for, you know, par- for partying, for enjoying himself and going out. And um, that would, to me, be a red flag. But uh, I-, I just never felt like his teams at Washington were very well coached. And I just the, – the idea that you take a guy who's got – serious coaching deficiencies or, you know, just the ability to prepare a team every week to play. Um, it, it, it's not necessarily like, you know, X's and O's or, you know, you're going to run this play and it's not, you know, the, the right play. I, I, I don't get into all that. I just look at it, a team that is not not ready to, to play and not consistent. And to me, that those are those go into how you prepare, how you approach the job, how how that translates to your players. And I just saw too much inconsistency at Washington to make me think that it would all be solved by just getting better talent or because it's USC that those things would go away. And I, I thought you saw last season, certainly, that they didn't go away, um, especially when, uh, you know, they, they lost that game to Boston College. I mean, I think that was the first the first thing that I was looking at, like, what in the world? And then, you know, you saw it play out a few more times since then. Wanted to kind of shift it to Pat Hayden a little bit, because I think you bring up a great point where when people were writing those columns, you know, yourself included, it wasn't that this was the first, you know, revelation that, you know, like you said, 
that Steve Sarkeesian wasn't the right guy for the job. I mean, I think people wrote those columns the day he was hired, probably, too. Um, they have to go back and look. But a lot of people were concerned. You know, it was like, hey, this looks like Lane Kiffin 2.0. You're trying to go back up this Pete Carroll coaching tree. A lot of the decisions that Pat Hayden has made, you know, they've turned out bad, especially with the football and basketball teams. They're not like hindsight kind of decisions. Those are decisions from the very beginning. People are like, that's not a good idea. And it's happened. I mean, are you surprised the way that Max Nikias, the president of USC, kind of came out in support for him? And it looks, you know, all intents and purposes, it looks like Pat Hayden's going to make the next hire when, when it comes to the, the big revenue sports, there have been some really, really poor decisions on his part. Well, sometimes school presidents are just so detached because they're, they're not sports oriented and they don't necessarily know what other people are talking about and thinking. And certainly from the outside, um, I don't think anyone has given Pat Hayden very good reviews uh, on his job performance. Um, I, I guess I, I, I'm not necessarily, I'm never surprised about a president because presidents sometimes just, again, they just don't know anything about, about sports. Um, I'm more surprised that that a big booster or a group of them at USC hasn't stepped up and said, look, we need to do something else administratively. Um, and it, I, I don't know if that speaks to just the amount of juice that Pat Hayden has or, uh, or what, I mean, it's, it's bizarre to me that no one has stepped up and said, no, I'm sorry. We need to find a new athletic director. Yeah. It's uh that was, it was a, you know, one of the strange, the three or four days in a row, I think that was the Tuesday day where we got the, the press conference. That was kind of strange too. Um, I was, I mean, Pat Hayden's done a lot of great things for the university. He's a Trojan legend. And a lot of people like him, but there's a lot of people that don't. And I've talked to boosters that are upset about not fighting the NCAA to get some you know relief from the sanctions. A lot of people are really still upset about that. There was the, you know, Kevin O'Neill stuff in basketball. Uh, Lane Kiffin tarmac or not firing him after the Sun Bowl. And then, of course, the Sark stuff to me. And, and when we talk about alcoholism and addiction, and all that stuff, we don't really know. And this, I don't want to get your take on this. We don't really know exactly what, you know, his his unhealthiness is. Uh, that Pat Hayden has said he, you know, Steve Sarkeesian himself said he had uh, drinks with uh, prescription meds. Um, we don't know if it was what, you know, what sort of substance abuse or whatever was going on. We've heard a couple of reports that he's in treatment. But it's hard to say. I'm sure there's, you know, legal things that USC can't say, but we don't exactly know, um, going in. But from like what you said, the, the, the reputation that Steve Sarkeesian had as far as partying goes, it felt to me something needed to be done. And I said it at the time after the salute to Troy incident. And of course things kind of blew up now. Maybe they don't blow up if they actually go on a run and they, they're five and oh instead of three and two. But I don't know where you fell on that, that the, the salute to Troy thing to me was probably the biggest. Uh, blunder, I guess, that Pat Hayden had not doing something with Steve Sarkeesian then. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that there were, that was a huge red flag. Um, you know, that that wasn't just, uh, you know, kind of stumbling around or slurring words. I mean, just he was not in a, in, in a state of mind to be in front of people. Uh, and, and coaches are notoriously careful um, about, you know, being in front of groups of people or being out in public you know, not wanting to, especially in this this world we live in of the Instagrams and Snapchats and Periscopes and all that, 
to put themselves in a position where they might embarrass themselves and and put their their you know multi million dollar jobs at risk by doing something stupid, and so to me, yeah, for him to get up in front of people and and have that happen showed. Look, mistakes I guess can happen, um, but it just showed such a a you know lack of discipline and and care about his image that i i i think it, i i would have been very very concerned if i were his his boss you know the other thing is we don't know you know what kind of receipts has he been turning in on the road that's not public record like it is at washington yeah. you know some of those receipts that that have been published now you know i i can't imagine why no one looked at those and and you know didn't raise some red flags um and you know i I just think it would have been uh, the 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 press conference he had a few days after. Um, I, I thought that was weird too. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I've got a drinking problem, but I'm going to find out. Um, and you know, we've got you know, Pat has got things put in place for for me to you know to talk to people or whatever. Like, I'm sorry, like that that during the middle of a season, that's not going to happen, right? Uh, so. I just, yeah, that was a mistake. The whole thing, thinking they could just manage it, you know. And I look, Pat probably thought we're gonna have a good team. Um, we'll just get through the season. Won't rock the boat, you know. It would be if we if we send him to rehab or, or take him um, take him out of the job, put him on leave before the season starts. It's gonna be a way worse story than it already is. Um, but I think it, that obviously proved to be a, a major mishandling. Yeah, then it becomes even a way, way, way worse story because uh, it looks worse when the team's struggling. You're like, oh, the team's not going to make the playoff now. It's okay to to go to rehab or wherever he's going. It just, I think, it just made him look bad by but the delaying. It seems like every decision he's made, he's, you know, you, I think you he probably had the universe, you know, the best interest of the school and the program in mind, but it just seems to have blown up in his face. It, it has obviously, but uh, you know, we, as we sit here today. Uh, the, like you said, the president has been out of practice with Pat Hayden for a little photo op or whatever. Uh, he's clearly showing support. So I don't, I, I don't know how, um, how he does this effectively going forward. People I talked to, you know, yesterday just around the country, uh, they, they just can't believe that, that Hayden kind of threw it on the search firm and, you know, said, well, we did all this, but we did all these background checks and nothing came up. I mean, that's just, no one buys that. <laughs> no. no one buys that. Yeah. Well, this team, uh, for good or bad, uh, you know, they've done this before. Two years ago, they had to go through the same almost exact thing. Um, having an interim head coach. Now, maybe the schedule is a little bit more daunting where you have a trip to Notre Dame and then a top five team coming at home in Utah and then another road trip against a ranked opponent in Cal. Um, you know, really the hardest part of the schedule you could argue and then you know it's and you have an interim head coach doing it clay helton it seems like a popular guy i don't know i mean i'm around this team all the time the, the guys seem to like him and are fired up i'm having a hard time thinking that it's going to be the same sort of run that ed orgeron had but this team's so talented i mean they're capable of doing it but what do, what do you think about what could happen over the next few games with this team and interim head coach clay helton yeah it's just it's a wild card situation as you said, they're talented enough that, that they can win some games. Um, I, I don't think that you can change the fundamental flaws with this team 
that were were there before, like just the, the focus, the discipline, you know, the attention to detail, how you prepare uh, mentally for for games, which I just think this team had had major problems with. I don't think you fix that overnight. So, um, I, I I do think the team is essentially what it's going to be, which means capable of you know being very good and then capable of of being very bad. So, um, to put a number on it or how many games they can win. Uh, whether they can go to Notre Dame and, and win this weekend, I, I just—it's hard for me to say. I do think that that Notre Dame is a good, is a very good team, and and this this would have been a hard game for USC under under the best of circumstances. Um, but as for the others in the Pac-12, I think they're all winnable individually, and uh, it's just a matter of whether they show up and and play or not. Well, uh, coaching in my business, at least Dan, and probably for you too, coaching searchers are a big deal. Uh, everyone wants to know. What's going on? And, uh, you know, as we're more in the social media age, it, there's more and more stuff coming out. You get more little tidbits of all the different candidates. And I thought you had a really good potential list. I'll just kind of read them off real quick. You had Chip Kelly, uh, Brian Kelly, Notre Dame rival, uh, Kevin Sumlin, Jeff Fisher, USC ties, of course, Bob Stoops, uh, Pat Fitzgerald doing a great job in Northwestern, uh, Mike Gundy, who actually came out and said he's not interested, but that doesn't mean anything. Troy Calhoun. Uh, Dan Mullen, who you know done a great job there, and then Justin Fuente, uh, doing awesome at, at Memphis. So I wanted to you know get your thoughts on the list. If you know this was I think a day or two ago, if anything's changed or, or yeah, I mean there's probably a few more names that that I could have uh, put on there. But here's the thing that I I think is is crucial for for USC at this point. Um, you've got to hire a proven winner. No more taking a chance on a guy without a long track record like they did with Lane. Yes. And, and no more, you know, don't, don't go for the recruiter. Don't go for, uh, the flashy young guy who, who's got a reputation more as a recruiter than a coach. To me, they've gone down that road now twice in a row. It doesn't work at a place like USC. Uh, you, you, you are going to out talent people most of the time because you're USC, because you, are going to attract the best players in Southern California. Um, it is not hard to recruit to USC. But what you need is you need sideline competence and you need a grown-up. You need an adult, someone who's going to project and build a culture of discipline and execution on and off the field. If you do that, then you have a chance to win championships. But if you go back to this, well, we just we need to hire the the recruiter, then you're going to have the same problems you had before. I agree, hundred percent on that. And uh, one, so one of the interesting names you had was Brian Kelly, and then other people have mentioned Bruce Feldman, a, a mutual friend of ours, and he works over at Fox, and we put him on our board too because uh, we just heard some rumblings about Jim Mora. I mean, two the two arch rivals of USC having their head, you know, the, the arch rivals head coaches on a you know, your hot board or your whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Wanted to get your thoughts on, well, of course, Brian Kelly, you put him on there and then, and maybe Jim Moore as well. Well, Brian Kelly look probably unrealistic. I think most people have always said if he makes a move out of Notre Dame, it will be to the NFL. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Notre Dame is a, 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 it's what I call a dog years job. I mean, look, all the jobs are hard in college football. They all have their own unique set of challenges. Uh, but that one in particular, it's very hard to do for 10 years uh, because it just it just wears on you. It just wears you out. There's so many things 
that go into being the Notre Dame coach that you don't have to deal with at other places, whether it's, you know, the academic component, you know, Notre Dame can, can get them in, but it's, it's, you know, making sure that, that they stay eligible uh, because they, you know, there's no, there's nowhere to hide kids at Notre Dame. Um, it's a very challenging academic environment and, and you bring in a guy who's maybe, you know, not qualified um, on the test scores and, and his academic profile in high school to do Notre Dame level work. Well, he's got to do Notre Dame level work and it's very, it's very challenging and they lose a lot of guys because of that. Um, there's, you know, there's just a, a, a relentless uh, stream of, of those kinds of issues at Notre Dame that, uh, that it's a great job and the upside potential of it is obviously limitless, but um, I just don't think you can sustain it for, you know, for, for more than 10 years or so. It's just, it's just too hard at USC is a much easier situation for coach to walk into. So I say all that to say, if you're Brian Kelly, it might intrigue you to, to look at that and, and say, Hey, you know, I won't have to deal with some of these headaches at USC. Now, maybe there are other headaches you have to deal with, but, um, again, I, I, I've heard enough out there just sort of in the ecosystem and people have sort of said, Hey, you know, if, if I were doing it, that's one of the first guys I'd call that it was worth throwing him on the list. As far as Mora, I'm a lot more skeptical of that. Um, just because it, it would almost just kind of blow my mind. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he's a good coach. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it'd be, be interesting to see what happens. The other one we kind of put on our list there, um, just we had heard there's salary cap issues up in Seattle. The 30 for 30 Trojan War just came out. Pete Carroll making a return to the sidelines. I don't know if that would be good or bad, but any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, Pete's almost 70 years old. You know, and I know that that uh, he doesn't necessarily look like it or act like it. Uh, and it would it would be great theater for him to you know make the triumphant return to uh, to USC. But a guy who's seventy years old, you know how how much can they really commit to you know doing it for for the kind of length of time that you need to to recruit and make sure. Um, you know, that, that you still are able to get kids. I mean, you saw Spurrier had that same issue, um, in South Carolina and it really, you know, really caused issues. And, um, you know, Pete is, uh, he just, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say he's too old for the job, but he's only 64. So I, yeah, I, I didn't think it was close to there, 70. But, yeah. But, uh, you know, I just, um, I, I guess I guess it could happen. It would be fun. <laughs> I don't. I mean, could you imagine the a rose bowl between Pete Carroll and Jim Harbaugh? That would be pretty good. Oh, it would be amazing, amazing theater. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I would tend to not think that that's going to happen, and and that you know USC kind of should should set out on a different course uh, to you know to try to fix this thing and, and go outside and you know get someone who's not tied to the USC ways. I think that would be healthy. Yeah. Um, we, we actually had posted on the, our message board, the Peristyle, that you were going to come on the show. And a few people had a question for you. Do you mind me reading off a couple of them for you? Yeah, go ahead. Nothing uh, terrible here. USC Rock says, who does he think will be the head coach at USC in 2016? <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. Uh, um, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I think it's going to be Chip. I really do. Wow. I mean, 
it just makes too much sense. And we'll see how we'll see how things go with the Eagles. Look, if the Eagles end up, you know, 10 and 6 and make the playoffs, then I think you can probably forget it. But um you know, if it's 6 and 10, I just absolutely just have this gut feeling that that Chip is going to look at it and say, you know, are we just kind of running in place here in in the NFL? Um, yeah, I might like to give it one more year, one more shot, but it's USC. It's a place you can win championships. So I'm going to go do that. I, I just have this gut feeling about 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 that. So, um, but again, a lot will depend on how the Eagles play over the next two months. Yeah, oh, they had a the big output on Sunday. They scored a lot of points. It's funny, USC fans are kind of torn. Some people are like, oh, that'd be amazing. And others are like, they just don't want anything to do with someone like that. It's so funny. I don't, no, I don't... no, 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 no. Make no mistake. Chip Kelly at USC would be amazing. Oh, he would. I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, Chip is a, Chip is a culture guy too. I mean, like, you know, the wide open offense and all that stuff is, is part of it, but Chip is a smart football coach and, and will always adapt, um, to the kind of talent that, that he's got. I think what Chip brings that, more than anything that USC needs is just the, the culture. Um, he's a, he's a big culture guy and USC's culture to me has been what, why they're, you know, even with the very talented teams, why they're sort of an eight and four program instead of an, you know, an 11 and one, 12 and zero program. All right. Uh, Lambda Kai Trojan said, could any other program survive? If you can call it that the chaos around USC this decade by survive, I mean above 500 ball every year with all the craziness. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of other examples. You know, there's there's been crazy situations at, at Alabama, although they did have some years at Alabama where they they slipped under 500. Um, no, I mean USC certainly because of the fact that they they no matter whether it's sanctions or you know chaos or whatever, kids still want to go there. And so they, they do have talented players every year. And, uh, there's, there's not very many places like USC that can survive, um, you know, survive that kind of trauma. Uh, sky's the limit 2000. That's an interesting one. Should Pat Hayden step down from the playoff selection committee to focus on the coaching search? <laughs> um, well, I, I don't know necessarily just the coaching search, but just overall, like, he seems like he's got a lot on his plate right now. And, you know, the playoff committee is one of those deals. You got to fly to Dallas every week for like five weeks in a row. Yeah. You know, during the part of this year where you're supposed to be, um, you know, looking at coaches and, uh, he, he just, he's got a department that seems to be kind of in chaos right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know that, I don't know how it's all, it's almost like having another full time job to be on that playoff committee especially the way these guys are going about it and they're like trying to watch all this film and, and have all this data. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, so yes, I, I think he should, but he won't. Okay. Uh, 805 Trojan is who do you see winning the PAC 12 and will they get a shot at the playoffs? And uh, he wants to know what the national perception of the PAC 12 this year is as well. Well, I think it, it got beat up a little bit, you know, the first couple of weeks and in some of those non-conference games and, you know, like Arizona State losing to uh, to uh, Texas A&M and 
Uh, obviously, Stanford went out and lost Northwestern, and so it didn't get off to a great start. It's a very deep competitive league from, you know, from one through, you know, six or seven, it's, 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 it's going to be a lot of close games and a lot of 50, 50 type games. Um, that's why I just tend to believe that Utah, you know, they're sort of to me like the Mississippi state of this year where, yeah, they're having this great run and they are a really good team, but at some point, like the music's going to stop. I think I, I just, I like them a lot, but I just don't know that they can take this, you know, 12, 12 straight weeks and, and get it done. So, um, who's going to win in the end? I mean, geez, I, 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 I don't know. Like I'm still, I'm not counting out anybody. You know, if, if Arizona state builds off what they did against UCLA, like why, why would they not still be in the mix? Um, UCLA stubbed their toe, but, uh, they still have the talent to to bounce back. Um, you know, uh, Stanford's playing really well. I, I think we can pretty much count out Oregon at this point, uh, but it's still pretty wide open. And, and obviously, Utah's you know Utah's got a leg up. Uh, I think Cal is very good. It's 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 really an interesting race. It is, yeah. I mean, Arizona State could get Utah this weekend. You know, who knows? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like. Arizona State was supposed to be great, and for whatever reason, they they offensively were a mess early in the season, and yeah. I think they've they've maybe figured some things out, and uh, you know that would be a big spoiler for the Pac-12 in some ways if if Arizona State ends up turning out to be as good as we all thought at the end, but they're stuck with those two losses from early. Uh, you know, I don't know how that would play with with the with the committee. Yeah, I mean, they, they took the first four games off, essentially. They didn't feel like coming out there. Uh, we got one last one for you from Bearsecutor. He wants to know, it's a little long, sorry, uh, how widespread do you think serious drinking is among D1 coaches, and would any college have dealt with the Sark-like problem if the coach had been winning slash performing up to expectations, and do you think schools subject their staff to drug screens before hiring? Yeah, that's an interesting question and some stuff I never thought about. Like, I would imagine, and I, I don't know the answer to this for a fact, but, you know, whenever you're a state employee, whatever the procedures that would apply, you know, as a teacher or whatever, um, you, you would be subjected to the same ones as, as a coach. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think every every job that anyone's ever applied for, pretty much you have to go through a drug screen. So I don't know why why it would be any different. Um, in terms of how widespread it is, I I think certainly the coaching business uh, is like any others. There are are going to be people on all levels who struggle with alcohol dependency, and um, you know. But again, it's a fine line between you know someone who you know works really hard, and at the end of the day, it's like you know I just I got to have a couple. Um, is that, you know, is that an alcoholic, you know, clinically? I mean, I I don't, I don't know the answer to that. That's not my area of expertise. And I think it's, it is a very thin line between all that stuff. So, um, I I think there's, like I said earlier, these jobs are so stressful that, uh, it's only natural that, that people will have a release of some sort. I just think it's very rare that someone feels comfortable enough with these jobs and being as public as they are to 
go out in public and 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 drink uh, on any sort of um, regular basis. Dan Wolken, you can follow him on Twitter at Dan Wolken, W-O-L-K-E-N, does a great job uh, covering college football and a few other things for USA Today, USA Today Sports. And don't forget to check out the Football 4 podcast. Do you guys have a Twitter for the Football 4 podcast, Dan? Well, just the Football 4. Um, that That's a great feed on Twitter f- to get a lot of the, uh, really all of the college football stories from USA Today Sports. They all post to at the Football 4 and uh the podcast goes up there every, uh, you know, twice a week. So follow that one. Yeah, great. Well, hey, Dan, we really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing your insights. I love the the columns and I love uh, listening to the podcast. So thanks for uh, coming on our little show. We really appreciate it. No, no problem. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Dan and everyone else. Thanks so much for tuning into the Peristyle podcast. We will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.